0: I do Um, so how about you introduce yourself?
1: Okay. Um, I'm Emma. I'm 17 years old. Um, I don't know. I'm a voice actor for you. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I don't know. I'm a teenager. I'm just like a all around cool, cool guy. I guess I would describe myself as that, I guess. World's
0: best dad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? Um, so
1: today I wanted to talk about, um, and this is, like, kind of abstract, so (laughs) bear with me. Um.
0: I'm all about abstract. Perfect.
1: Awesome. Um, I, I wanted to talk about, um, like, middle America, um, and sort of, like, the atmosphere here, I guess.
0: Real America.
1: Um, Yeah, real America. Just, like, the heart of America. Um. So like a little bit of backstory on that, um, you sent out an email to everyone who had like filled out the interview form for, for teenage girls. Um, and then you asked us like a couple of questions, um, like about ourselves and what we'd, we like, what we would want to talk about. Um, and I think one of the questions was like, where are you from? Uh, whatever that means to you. Um, and I think this was, like, a couple months ago, but I'm pretty sure, like, my answer to that question was just me, like, completely slamming, like, my hometown and, like, where I grew up and stuff like that. Um, and for good reason. I mean, it's, like, boring as hell here. Um, but uh, I'm a, I'm a couple months into my summer vacation now, um, and I've spent, like, almost all of my time when I'm not working, just like observing the the landscape, because like that's the only thing you can really do here. Um, it's just like driving around and like into the countryside and like, I feel like I've started to see like where I grew up a lot differently. Um, so uh, I think people disregard like middle America as boring. And like, I totally agree, like I've spent 17 years of my life here it's awful but I I think um this place is like so boring it's like mediocre to the point that it's like almost eerie you know like there's like something off about it um and I feel like like this mundanity is like fertile soil for like all sorts of weird shit um because like you hear um at least like more like in more contemporary storytelling, there's like a lot of stories focusing around um setting, um, and a lot of stories set in like these weird, like sleepy small towns. Um, uh, like Viol- I-, I think, um, like Night Vale, yeah, yeah, like I'm mean, yeah. like not to plug your show, but absolutely to plug your show, I think Violet Beach does this really, really well where it's sort of like focusing on this sort of like small town. Like, fami- like weirdness that's like totally familiar to those who live there but it's like completely incomprehensible to any outsider and like focusing on um looking like looking at a story specifically through the lens of like location and atmosphere to the point where like setting is a character in and of itself um and i think violet beach does this really well and i think um like welcome to night vale was one of the first podcasts that i started getting into and i think welcome to night vale explores this a lot yeah um, and, like, so, in
0: non-sci-fi context, like, I think Parks and Rec does it really well, too. Absolutely, um, yeah. Just growing up in a, I'm not middle America, but I'm rural America, like, right, sort of, right. like, outside, rural area, outside of a major city, so not quite, like, middle-and-nowhere desolate, but still, like, mm-hmm. weirdly desolate. So that's... Yeah. Like... Yeah, yeah there's sort of that whole like element to it that really attracts me to that kind of media, I guess. And I'm assuming Mm -hmm. same for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like, like you sort of described it as like, it's not rural, but it's not like, like, so I guess it's not like a city, but it's not like country. And I feel like this sort of like middle ground between those two is like really weird in the sense that like, um, like for example, in my town, um, If you sort of drive out towards the mall, um, it like turns into this sort of like corporate wasteland where there's like McDonald's and stuff like that. But like they're sort of like broken down and like kind of um, under construction all the time. And I feel like um, there's sort of like this this um, atmosphere of like like some people things like always being under construction and like. I feel like there's like a deep like liminal aspect to these areas because like to me like middle America is like a transition between something it's not like you're actually anywhere when you're in it um and I feel like to live like where I live and like where you live is sort of to live like in transience I guess in a way because you're like the atmosphere around you is always changing um and you're never you never feel like you're really in one place I guess
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: so, you, do you grow up around D.C.? Is that... Am I correct yeah. in thinking that?
0: Yeah. I'm um, in a very rural area, just outside a very suburban area, outside of another suburban area outside of D.C., but we say D.C. Okay. because it's easier. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's... Um, that's the sort of the standard experience, as I'm aware.
1: <laughs> um so I, I grew up um, in Indiana, well, I'm growing up, I guess, in Indiana, and it's sort of like a, it's a small college town, um, Ooh. and yeah, I mean, so I sort of get, like, both of, like, the aspects of growing up in middle America, where there's, like, suburbs, and then, but then there's also, like, the countryside, because, like, we live in, like, a very liberal bubble, I guess, Um, just surrounded by, like, corn on all, like, on all sides. Um, And, like, the town, I guess, is sort of, like, I like to think of it in, like, rings, like a tree. So, like, in the middle, it's the suburbs and, like, the the college and, like, the high schools. But then, like, as you start to drive out, um, civilization kind of, like, dissolves around you. And then, like, suddenly you're in the countryside. Um, And there's always, like, this, like, sudden aspect of it. Um, Like, one of the, um, like, prime Midwestern experiences for me uh, is, like, driving out in the middle of the night in, like, this endless void of countryside. And, like, you're driving for miles and miles and miles and there's nothing around. And then, like, you're suddenly met by, like, the almost blindingly white light of a Walmart, like, in the middle of nowhere. And it's, like, this sort of sudden, like, surprising thing that sort of makes the Midwest, like, eerie to me, I guess.
0: No, I got you completely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, whenever I'm in West Virginia or Ohio visiting family, I'm sort of always confronted with a big, big old Walmart. So that's... (laughs) Yeah. That is sort of my main image of the Midwest, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's really interesting feel, yeah, I, and really creepy, but I, I adore it. Right. But also, I, I feel it's just like, like, disconcerting. Yeah, keep going.
1: Definitely. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I just feel like just, like, a Walmart itself is also, like, just, like, encapsulates the Midwest so perfectly um, because, like, you go inside a Walmart and, like, everything's just, like, a little off. You know what I mean? Like, the lights are just a little too bright and, like, the store is, like, a little too empty. Um... And also, I think Walmarts in the middle of, like, the night are also, like, liminal spaces, too. I'm really into, like, liminal,
0: like, no, I'm the into idea it. of, like, liminal spaces. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you entirely. Just one time after a hockey game, I went into a Walmart to get tortilla chips and tampons, and it was, like, my dad didn't want to go in with me, so I just went in alone. It was, like, 1 a.m., and it was maybe the weirdest out-of-body experience I've ever had in my life (laughs) just because there's like there's like 11 other people and then three staff members in this giant ass store and I'm just carrying my two items sort of like awkwardly I'm like 12 at the time which makes it a little Mm -hmm. bit worse and and then you're just like are those people like speaking in very thick French accents about about (laughs) geese or is it just like am I imagining this am I dead am I yeah
1: (laughs) definitely yeah there's like it's like a weird like fever dream just being in a walmart and like i go to walmart a lot so i feel like i've been i don't know um like familiarized with like the the environment and stuff and it's, it's just really interesting to me um so i talked a little bit about like violet beach and stuff and i just wanted to know i was really interested in um like the way you incorporate setting and stuff into Violet Beach. And I was wondering if you could like talk a little bit about like how you did that, I guess, and like how you use setting um, as sort of like a plot point.
0: It's not I don't really see it as a plot point so much as like it's where like we get our backstory and it's where we see everything built in the future. That's not how to work, how words work. But um, I, sort of, I sort of envision the setting is the canvas, basically, right, in a painting, mm-hmm. which is so Definitely. fucking corny, and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's
1: true, though. It's true. Yeah.
0: Um, so it's sort of your basis. It gives texture. It gives, like, light to events. So you have to think about, like, what is sort of, like, is there a basic philosophy in this area? Is there something here that only people from here will know? Is it is it accessible to outsiders what what comes to it just because like whenever somebody um like finds out I live in the woods they don't believe me because we live in a fairly otherwise metropolitan area and then they see it and they're like shocked by how like disparate it uh, is from the rest of the world so i put like a lot of thought into like how do outsiders perceive it how do people who have lived there their whole life perceive it and like Mm. what is that like sort of niche historical reference everyone gets um right yeah like I feel like every single town has at least like eight distinct ghost stories like cities get ghost stories but um like the farmer who lives next door to me would always like tell me about a witch who lived next door to him who now haunts our (laughs) road which I'm I was so like deeply obsessed with that as a kid and then like I keep like telling this story to other people and they're like I just don't get it so it's there's definitely like that factor in mind for me a lot of the time I guess mm-hmm. I'm not phrasing this really well but it's like um I just think that setting really informs the way that characters interact and that plot happens so the setting is not really a character into itself but more of an informant for them.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely get it. Um, I, I, I've, I think for my whole life, I've had this like weird obsession with like setting and stuff just because for a while I was like so bored with where I lived, um, that like my escape was just like, um, the settings of different stories and different books. And I think that's true for a lot of different people um, Yeah, that like they escaped into fiction um, and it's definitely not unique like to me, but it definitely like informed um, I guess what I want to do um, when I like grow up. Um, and I think it's why I have such an interest in like theater and like set design because it's all about like studying locations and like creating an atmosphere to convey a message. Um, and it's like thinking about how like atmosphere transforms with different tonal shifts and how, like, how we perceive atmosphere, um, after different like things happen. Um, and like how, uh, the actors interact with the atmosphere and how the audience interacts with the atmosphere. Because, um, I feel like live theater is like a very unique and interactive and like deeply personal experience. Um, to a certain extent, um, you're sort of cultivating like a familiarity in the audience that allows them to connect to the performance and, um, you do that partly through like set design. And I realize like, I sound like a complete snob right now, but like, I'm just really interested in like how important setting is like in our everyday lives. Um, like, it's a big part of who we are and who we become. Just, like, where we started out and where we've been to get to where we are right now, I
0: guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get you. Like, with set design, I'm so interested in, like, the abstraction of set, like, abstract set design, I guess is the mm-hmm. phrase for it. But, like, I'm I'm not intending to go into into set design, but I've done a lot of it through tech theater for school and shit. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, like, really, like, I love sort of more like I said, abstract designs that sort of, like, still inform you a lot about the setting and the character, and I think that it takes, like, a really keen observational eye to still get that, and a lot of, like, lived experiences that can make these places that are so specific feel more universal through, through art, and I don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: Definitely, yeah. Um, you say, uh, you wanted to, you want to go into, like, movies and stuff, right?
0: Screenwriting, yeah. Screenwriting, yeah. yeah. But also probably does... probably playwriting, just because I love theater, right. but yeah, um, f- keep going with your question, though.
1: Oh, oh, I just wanted to know, like, how that sort of, like, decision, like, how did you know you wanted to do, like, go into this, I guess?
0: Um, Another really setting-focused show, actually, is sort of what made me realize it's what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to, like, yell about The Good Place for a solid five minutes here, but Awesome, that, awesome. Yeah, it's genuinely one of the... Um, Mike Sure, who created it, also created Parks and Recreation, so I've already mm-hmm. mentioned that that show, like, creates a really strong sense of setting, and it tells you, like, so much about the town where it's set and so much about, like, where that town comes from. And I feel like The Good Place does this while still ob- obfuscating the stuff about the location to create a sense of mystery. And I was just, like, I was watching it, and I'm like... Trying to, the season one finale, I was watching it live, and there's a big twist at the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it sort of, inf- it sort of does a face heel turn on like your whole perception of where the show is set, how the characters have interacted, everything. And it's like, oh, when I have a show, it, I want it to make people react like I'm reacting now. Right. And I. And, like, I had always, like, sort of, like, shrugged off, like, going into the arts just because I never saw it as practical beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. always wanted to move from here into a major city, always wanted to, like, still maintain some level of, um, like, participation in the arts, but I never thought I would do it as a career. And then I, that all sort of clacked, clacked? What the fuck? <laughs> um, that all sort of um, clicked into my head at once, like, oh, this is what i want to do actually and what i can actually picture myself doing instead of just settling for whatever's gonna make me a lot of money and mm-hmm. whatever's gonna get me out of virginia whatever is gonna get me like to somewhere else and like there'd always been again like that subconscious thought like oh i've had a google doc with my snl monologue in it since i was eight years old and <laughs> not a google doc but a word doc whatever existed in 2008 who knows right um <laughs> Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I just, I just think it's neat. Um, with, um, like I've been writing my whole life and I've been, um, like desperate to tell stories that people can understand and people Mm -hmm. can relate to, particularly like marginalized folks. Like I'm, I'm gay. I'm chronically ill. I have a lot of things on my mind all the time. So mm-hmm. it's like just want to scream those bad boys out there, um, and so this feels like the best way I can do it and reach an audience, you know? Yeah. Um. um what um, I what definitely. Got you into theater. Yeah. Oh. Oh no! Um... I can cut that. Keep saying what you were gonna say. Cause mm-hmm. I'm.
1: Oh no 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 no. Um, yeah. you're totally fine. Um, I think oh, theater. I I used to be like super super um like, introverted, and I, I hated, like, being in the spotlight and stuff. And I still kind of do, like, um, like in my day-to-day life. But I think the first um, show that I ever did, um, it was Our Town, um, which, again, like, setting is a big thing in Our Town. Um, <laughs> I think it was uh, sophomore year of high school. Yes, sophomore year of high school. Um, I wanted to audition, I don't know, I guess I felt I'd always been really interested in like watching performance um, and just sort of seeing the way that like the actors connected with um, like the audience and sort of the idea of being able to be a part of something like that uh, was really interesting to me. And so I auditioned for it was my high school theater clubs production of Our Town um, and I got a role. Uh, I was, I think I was Hannah Newsom, who was the female version of Howie Newsom, who was the guy that brought the milk every day. (laughs) So I was him, or I was her, I guess. Um, And I don't know, I just really liked the sort of like community aspect of it, where like you, you are able to be someone completely different for like, 3 hours uh like twice a week for audition for like rehearsals um and you connect with these people um in the cast and in the crew in a really on like a really deep level um and then you get to put on your performance for for an audience and it's like you're part of something um like being able to be part of something and being able to put on a show for people was really interesting to me um, and then I got into I guess um, like stage design and stuff like that. I took like a theater arts class um, that same year, uh, and the teacher was really, really nice and really like educated um, about it. And so, yeah, I just I've I've just been like really infatuated with um, theater and stuff and performing uh, for a while.
0: So yeah, <laughs> nice. No, I. Um... Um, I've been, like, doing tech theater for the last three going on four years, and I've really fallen in love with it, even though I never really considered myself a theatery person. So Mm -hmm. I've, like, come to, even from the outside, really admired, like, the effort that goes into it from an acting, from a design perspective. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned something uh, when you were talking about wanting to go into, like, uh, screenwriting and playwriting. Um, You talked about how, like... um, you never thought like that career was like real, like the arts were like practical. And I like 100% like get you on that. Like I've struggled with like, cause like I'm not like good at math. You know what I yeah, mean? Like I'm yeah, not good yeah. at science or anything. Um, and like in like these days, people make it seem like math and science and, like, the STEM careers are, like, the only useful careers. And so I've, like, struggled a lot with, like, not being interested in, any of that stuff and instead being interested in, like, you know, there's, like, this, um, archetype of, like, the starving artist in media that's, like, it kind of really, like, freaked me out for a while because I never thought that, like, a career in the arts would be beneficial to me, like, financially or anything, um... And definitely, like, a lot of people's, like, reactions when I want to tell them, when I, like, tell them that I want to go into the arts have been kind of, like, negative. And so I'm still kind of, like, working through, like, like, I don't know if I really want to go into it or anything. Um, Do you feel, like, it's the same, I guess?
0: Every goddamn day of my life, dude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's definitely, like, I'm seeing, I have a lot of friends who want to, do engineering and I really really admire that about them and I have a lot of friends who are going into like law or pre-med or or something among those lines and like I wish that I had the passion that they do about those things just because like we live in a capitalistic society and that means that um you know you gotta make money and then unlike um I have a lot of friends who study who are planning to study engineering who like or at least fairly sure they'll be able to secure a job right after they graduate. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be sure about that. I'm not going to yeah. really know either way. If I'm going to be having to support myself with indie projects until I die or, in, or if <laughs> I'll get, or if I'll have to like sell out or some shit. And then mm-hmm. there's like, there, there's that whole element of luck, which is present in a lot of markets, but in the arts, it's like definitely a lot, easier to fall into it I guess right
1: definitely yeah um so anyway that was my first thing um I also kind of wanted to talk about um like the like the McElroy brand of podcasts which is like a totally different topic. yes yes let's do it I'm like so into okay uh so um I just I think I discovered like the whole their whole brand um my sophomore year of high school I did a lot of stuff my sophomore year of high school I guess um and I I'd started with My Brother My Brother and Me yes I think that was my introduction and then I now I listen to The Adventure Zone which is like it's, like it's amazing it's indescribably amazing I love it um and I also listen to the podcast that Griffin and Rachel do uh wonderful which I-, I really like as
0: well quick mention Um, for that though i got a jumbo yeah for this show on it
1: holy shit really yeah
0: oh my god it's coming out like entered the raffle and stuff
1: yeah yeah oh my god that's awesome oh my god Uh, when do you know when it's coming out
0: hopefully before october but also who knows
1: okay that's awesome dude oh my god yeah sorry i just Um, need to brag about it at every possible opportunity no that's awesome Um, um uh, and I, I think originally the the appeal of, like, Mabimbam Bam to me was – and this is, like, totally me, like, projecting my shit on the media that I consume. But um, I was really socially anxious um, and just, like, anxious in general my sophomore year. And I still am. But that's when it sort of peaked for me. Um, that year, I sort of – I started to, like, really worry about um, – like an, un- like an unhealthy amount about school and stuff and yeah. to me um listening to my brother my brother and me was like it was like having being able to have a friendly conversation that I didn't have to join
0: in on <laughs> does that make yes. sense no absolutely like, yeah yeah same, like it's same year same situation I right it's, yeah it's like all the
1: best parts of being socially active with people, but there's absolutely no stress on you to contribute anything, um, which I really, really liked. Um, the dream. And yeah, right? And to me, um, uh, it's like it's not only like um, listening to a conversation, but it's listening to a conversation between these people that know each other really, really, really well. And there's this really interesting, like, natural flow that they have that seems rehearsed, but, like, I-, I don't even, like, think I can call it improv because it's not even, like, they're trying actively to be funny. They just are. And I yeah. think that kind of relationship with your family or with anyone, really, is the dream. Uh, so Because no, I never absolutely. really had, like a, like, a relationship with my family like that or a relationship with, like any of my friends like that, that just allowed me to talk like freely about like literally anything. Um, And so I sort of lived through (laughs) that. Um, And also as like a socially awkward person, um, listening to my brother, my brother and me really alleviated part of my social anxiety uh, because it's a comedy advice podcast and they approach these questions from people like questions like I acted weird in a social situation and freaking out or like I'm having trouble like with my relationship with a friend what do I do and they approach these questions and answering these questions in like a really like casual like no big deal way um and part of my anxiety stems from the fact that like I tend to overanalyze situations in a way that sends like everything into a panic spiral (laughs) um and my brother and my brother and me really like, put these situations in perspective to me um, because their answers are usually like, oh, this isn't such a big deal. And to show you how small of an issue it is, we're going to, like, goof about it for 10 minutes. So that helps me, definitely.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say anything (laughs) other than, yeah. Yeah. That's That's the brand (laughs) in it.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Um, How did you discover? Well, you said also a sophomore year right
0: um i think i'd seen some of their content before not much of it but like i was like marginally aware of it just because of like they're more celebrity fans and like through max <laughs> but uh no like i sort of dove into it when i saw a link to the first um griffin's Amiibo corner video which is a fun place to <laughs> really? start. Yeah. That is a
1: great place to start. Really on yeah. brand, actually. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think my first bit might have actually been griff- GriffinSpaceJam.com, just because I mm-hmm. every time I hear the song, I, rec- I like the first time I heard it, I already knew the lyrics, which upset me a lot. <laughs> like, I just don't know how. Um, but anyway, so I discovered them through Polygon, um, got really into Bam throughout like the first half of... Um, 2016 and then Mm -hmm. yeah um so like end of my freshman year beginning of my sophomore year and then i listened to the entirety of the adventure zone (sighs) up until the point it was at in um about five days i did not do much else same absolutely same in like november december and it was um then i was sort of realized like oh god i'm sold on this and it was it was like Definitely like that convergence of the things where like you get the Barry Blue Jeans Twist and Adventure Zone. That episode came out like the day of their TV show being released, and that's sort of where everything like turned into like, oh, I love this and this means a lot to me.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um yeah. I think I think I binged the adventure zone over like a couple months. Like I was in I would be in in school I think I I listened to the finale of the first arc of The Adventure Zone in my fourth hour painting class, and I was, like, crying. <laughs> like, I was, like, a- like actively trying to, like, repress my tears so, like, my teacher wouldn't come over and, like, ask if I was okay. Um, but I was, like – it was just, like, a weird <laughs> place to listen to it. Um, but, like, it, it affected me, like, a lot. And I, I really love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, I had just gotten off of work that day, the day it came mm-hmm. out. And I was, like, I um turned it on, like, oh, yeah, it's finale time. Yeah, let's do this. And then I was, like, I was waiting for my, for my ride to pick me up because I couldn't drive yet. And I was just, mm-hmm. like, sort of pacing around outside of work so, like, teary and nervous. And then of course, my car was late, so I was, like, two hours into it. It, it was, like, a fucking three-hour finale, if I'm right. Or, like, yeah. I was, like, more than half, two-thirds into it, I guess. And I was just, like, mm-hmm. pacing around outside my work, which is in this, like, little tiny strip mall. And it was just, it was a little bit sad, but I was also just, like, I was so emotionally involved that I couldn't restrict myself. Yeah. I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> which is sort of the, um, of the show, but, yeah. Yeah definitely
1: um at first i feel like i was sort of like intimidated by like how much there already was because i think i started and they were when they were on like i think like the stolen century part of it and like there were already like hours and hours and hours of content and so like i i think i kind of put off listening to it um for a while because i thought that it would just be like too much of a time investment um but then I started listening to it and I was like hooked immediately yeah um, yeah and it was like incredible because like I had listened to my brother my brother and me and I was like okay just like three goofballs like doing just like farting around with their microphones and then I started listening to the Adventures on I'm like holy shit like I didn't even know like they could like Weave a story this like emotionally interesting to me. um and like this like the music that Griffin made and like this the story and like the different characters, um it was like incredible to me that like there was there's so many like their their talents are like so multifaceted that I yeah, I, don't know, I was really impressed,
0: I guess, yeah, no, um yeah, that that that's stu- that stupid D podcast means a lot to me it, it's what actually yeah. pushed me off the gate into writing violet beach so there is that like nice little circle around um mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up if that's okay with you just because okay, i yeah. have to go grocery shopping because yes, that's go just ahead. <laughs> how life is sometimes um yeah but, go get your groceries man <laughs> yeah so uh let's my fun final question that I like to ask at the end of every episode is, uh, what's one song that you feel like really is where you're at right now? Like, Ooh,
1: one song. That's a good question. Um, I've been listening to a lot of um songs. I My think God. that's how you pronounce her name, right?
0: It's Mitsky. Yeah. Mitsky,
1: yeah. yes, Mitsky. Because um, I was on, I think on Wonderful, I think Rachel talked about it on Wonderful, and I like just discovered her. She's um, so good. She <laughs> is so good, dude. Um, and there's a song that she has called. Um, hold on, I have to
0: look this up. Okay, dude, it's called I Last. Which one? What? Which one? Sorry.
1: Oh, uh, it's called, um, Last Words of a Shooting Star. Oh my um, god, that
0: was, that was the first song of hers I ever heard. Really? I'm I think not it kidding. it was one of
1: the first for me. It was, it's just, like, so, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, she's talking about, um, I think, di- I don't know, dying or something, but, like, she's very, like, nonchalant about it, and it's just, like, this very quiet, gentle song that I, I really like, um. So yeah, I've been like listening to that on repeat.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I got you there. No, yeah. um, it it's a genuinely like that whole album means a lot to me, and mm-hmm. I've seen her live once. I'm seeing her live again in November just because her concert tickets are like fairly cheap, and I adore her. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I the first time I saw her, I was at like I. It was a general admission. I was at the front of the pit and I just cried a real tear onto the stage and that was the probably the best moment of my life so far. <laughs>
1: Without the Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole feeling that. and a half. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I just feel like her songs like encapsulate like an emotion that like can't be described yet. Like I just like I connect to it, like like connect to them so much and I yeah, I really like them. Yeah
0: yeah no thank you so much Emma do you have anything you want to say before I um finish this up um no just like thank you for sitting down and talking to me no yeah it's been really fun yeah thank you so much yeah um I just actually I just got the file for your episode of Violet Beach season three so awesome gonna go edit gonna go get my groceries and then put the last touches on that so awesome yeah yeah peace out dude have a nice night